Did that surprise you? Were you expecting 1.5 million pre-orders? No. And the units then it kept coming even after. So we saw something like 8,000 units in pre-orders. It was massive. Uh, bigger than probably what we could handle at the time. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews. Right now, you're only hearing partial interviews. And you'll get interviews three weeks earlier from founders, thinkers, and people I find interesting. Like Eric Wan, 18 months before he took Zoom public. We got to grow faster. Minimum is 100% over the past several years. Or bootstrap founders like Vivek of Question Pro. When I started the company, it was not cool to raise. Or Looker CEO Frank Bean before Google acquired his company for $2.6 billion. We want to see a real pervasive data culture, and then the rest flows behind that. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. There, you'll find a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcast listening tool, along with other subscriber-only content. Now look, I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to episodes. On the checkout page, you'll see an option to request free access. I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Matteo Franceschetti. He's the co-founder of a company called Eight Sleep, originally called Luna. They are not just a mattress company like you might expect. They're actually a sleep technology company and really maybe a performance optimization company is maybe what the future looks like. We're going to dive into all of it today. Comes from a legal background before his cool factor went way up and it got into D to C. Let's jump in. Matteo, you ready to take us to the top? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Super excited. Those $600 an hour legal fees, those must have been hard to give up to jump into a mattress brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you know, I wanted to become an entrepreneur, so I was not happy with my legal low life. <laughs> so what year was this? You teamed up with three other co-founders. How did you all come together? Yeah, so we started a sleep in 2015. Um, I had, uh, no, I started wondering why Elon Musk is taking me to Mars and I still spend a third of my life on a piece of dumb foam. And so we started looking into the problem and we identified the opportunities, uh, the opportunity to leverage technology to enhance sleep. Casper flopped. Well, maybe not flopped, but they got hit pretty hard in the IPO. And when you look at and you study the returns on all these companies and public sentiment, they'll go, you know what? If we don't believe Casper's a technology company and it really is just a mattress company, the valuation is going to be way lower than if they're a pure tech company. So to your credit, I went back and watched your very early interviews, and you always describe this as a technology sleep performance company, never a mattress company. How did you know going in that that was going to be the focus versus just, you know, another mousetrap D2C mattress product? Yeah, a couple of different things. The most obvious is my co-founder, Max. He's the CTO. He would have never started a mattress company. He told me since from the beginning, if it's a mattress company, I'm out. So <laughs> I have no chance. Um, and second, more than anything, um, I mean, there are good brands in, in the D2C space, so I have respect for them, but they are really selling a, a commodity that is foam. If today you call a mattress manufacturer in the US, just a factory, you can buy FOMO on your own and you can start the business tomorrow on your own. What we are doing here is cutting edge technology that require millions of dollars to be developed and some of the best machine learning engineers in the world 
Mm -hmm. So again, the co-founding story of these companies is always interesting to peel into. The first big question most founders you know, have to do after agreeing on what the vision of the company is, is split up equity. How did you guys have the equity conversation amongst the four of you guys? I assume you didn't just go, eh, 25, 25, 25, 25. No, actually, no, it was different because it was really Max and I to start the company at the beginning. And then we brought in other two co-founders. And so we started at 50-50, Max and I, but then we gave a piece of equity to the other two co-founders. Then the fourth co-founder, um, it, it didn't work out, the team, um, after a couple of years. So he, he has been uh, still very effective for a couple of years with us, but then he left and uh, that freed up some equity for, for the third co-founder. And the third co-founder you like so much, you married her, is this right? Yeah, I, <laughs> I love that. Okay, so three of you guys now are really driving the vision here. Now, you first maybe realized you had something back in 2015 when you launched on Indie Hacker, uh, Indie uh, Go Go, uh, 6,048 backers, about 1.5 million in pre sales. I think how many you can tell me how many units that was, but did that surprise you? Were you expecting 1.5 million pre orders? No, and the units then it kept coming even after. So we saw something like 8,000 units in pre-orders. It was massive, uh, bigger than probably what we could handle at the time. Um, but yeah, it was incredible. I still remember that night when we got the first order, we were still testing and we see an order coming in um, from a person with a French name. And so we started asking, but it was you testing with this name? And, and uh, the other say, no, it was not me. It was not me. And it was the first customer. The level of detail here is incredible. I'm going to read some things from your January 27, 2015 Luna's launch day checklist, which is now 8sleep, but your checklist. And I want to ask your question on if you were launching a DTC brand today, how you might edit this checklist. So some key moments between you have listed between 4am on launch day and noon on launch day. You go live on Indiegogo. So is that still the one to go on today, D2C? You then also work, uh, do a bunch of press embargoes. Is traditional press still working today? Thunderclap, you used. You also then sent it your email campaign out to, I guess, your pre-launch list. You also decided to launch on Product Hunt on the same day and got about 835 upvotes on that. And then you also had a feature on Uncrate going up the same day. So would you follow the same sort of launch today if you're launching a D2C brand? No, that is actually an awesome question. Obviously, I wouldn't do any of that stuff. Probably product hunt is still there. None of the rest. We would have a completely different strategy today. Give me a high level. First four hours on launch day, DTC brand launching today. Product hunt, what else? Actually, I would start three, six months before. You start building the community. You start engaging them on what, what you're doing. Right now, I think the big difference that you see with media and the relationship between tech and media it's you want to build your own community, which is what we are doing today on Twitter. So start six months before, build that community, you launch, and that community will convert. Mm -hmm. And so um, you're you're now realizing this is important and trying to build community sort of backwards. Now you've got uh, how many people? Eighteen thousand six hundred followers on on uh, on Eight Sleep. Is this where really where you're trying to host your community? Is hold solely on Twitter? Yeah. That is the number one platform. And then obviously we have an, a an email list of over 100,000 people and, and other platforms. But Twitter is the one where we are the most active. Yep. Okay, let's talk about the technology, right? So any D2C brand going to market, you can have a big, massive, bold vision. But if it's too, if it's too visionary, uh, people won't adopt it early on. So you have to sort of invent like a mousetrap, a way in. What was your way in in those early days? How did you start to build traction? Yeah, so step one was really tracking without wearing anything and charging anything. So a mattress cover that could uh, be installed onto your mattress and track everything. 
-hmm. But we knew since day one that the game changer was a dy dynamic temperature adjustment. So heating and cooling your body while you sleep. There is plenty of medical evidence proving that with that, you can um, accelerate your sleep. So you can fall asleep faster. You can get more deep sleep, more REM. Um, we just didn't have the money to build it at the beginning until when uh, Cosla Ventures with Tithra Boys came in and, and they led our round. That was the $14 million round in 2018? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. And so how were you funding before that between 2015 and 2018? All from pre-sales? No. So we, we did a seed round and uh, CVSA. The seed round was immediately after Y Combinator. So after demo day, we were able to raise around $6 million. Then there was an A for like 10. And then I think, uh, if I remember correctly, I go by memory, but then KV, uh, Cosla Ventures came in with another 10 or 12. Mm -hmm. And then we raised from Founders Fund a year and a half later. Uh, so just round that out, the story, how much from Founders Fund? I mean, the round from Founders Fund was 20 or 25, I think 25. And okay. so the total, the total is 70 million that we have raised, more or less. Yep. When we look at your funding history, and we'll go back and get more of the backstory here, but once you're on the VC track, especially in the DTC space, you, you sort of want to see a raise happening every 18 months or so. Otherwise, sort of red flags start to go up. Like, did they try and raise and they couldn't or they didn't get the valuation they wanted? Your last raise was back in 2019. So nothing in 2020, nothing I know of right now leaking to the press. Are you raising right now? There is nothing public, but I, I can tell you that people that love what we are doing are, are supporting us um, also financially. Let's go back uh, and talk about pre kosher coming in in 2018. Uh, you had this mattress topper priced at 399 bucks. You also did have a mattress uh, for 999 bucks. Your mattress, at least the queen size today, is listed at 2845 So significant pricing in your testing between the two products. Why start at 999 and how do you get up to 3800 today? Yeah, it's another great question. So at, at the time, obviously, we didn't have the cooling. The cooling is, is the big elephant in the room for sleep improvement and in terms of product market fit. Uh, so we were really trying to make a smart bed position like most of the other D2C brands. Um, after KV came in um, and, and Keith joined our board together with Delian, we really started rethinking Keith about our Keith Raboy and, and, and Delian. So we started really rethinking about our brand positioning and uh, what we wanted to build. Obviously, the product became immediately more expensive because of the new technology. So there was no way to be at the thousand bucks. Mm -hmm. But more than anything, I mean, there is this theory, which I believe comes from Mark Andreessen, where you now great products, you can keep increasing the price and people will pay for that as, you, as long as you keep delivering more value. And I think that is what happened. Compared to then, probably our conversion rate on the website, CVR, is probably 3x what we had back then, but our AOV is 3x as well. Mm -hmm. Did the economics work at $1,000, even though your, maybe your cost of goods were lower because you don't have cooling built in and all that? I mean, what were the economics you were targeting back in 2017 with a $1,000 price point? They were working. They were okay. Now they are awesome. Um, so we were able to improve uh, that part as well. Matteo, I'm not familiar with like what okay margins in it is, is in DTC. I mean, what was okay in 2017, an okay margin or net margin? I mean... Obviously, every business is different, right? But when, when you talk about gross margin, where are you? Somewhere between, I mean, anything below 40% is pretty bad. I yeah. think everything around 60% is, is pretty good or about 60% is awesome. So um, you, you, you can shift. But obviously, gross margin is just, I uh, call it 
a good metric, but after a certain point, because then you need to look at returns, replacement, credit card fee, CAC, all that kind of things, and see what is your net margin. And at the time was uh, okay, and now it's awesome. Yep, you took a you you did a large, and there's a lot of technology that was advanced between 2017 and 2019. Uh, a couple of things I, I want to ask about here. So first off, in 2017, you said on another podcast episode you were tracking at that point about 300,000 nights. I think you used the term sleep nights per month, which is an interesting metric. So two questions: um, Are you still using Are you still using that metric today? Is that a critical metric for you? No, we really measure my, uh, number of hours. And it's not even just sleep, but it's health data because now we track so much about your health. Mm -hmm. And how do you quantify that? Like, how do you know if that you're getting more or less of that month over month? I mean, obviously it keeps growing, right? It's like almost a, a recurring revenue, but instead of being revenue is, is a health data. And so you have the old customers that you keep tracking plus all the new customers each month. And that number keeps, keeps growing. And now we're becoming one of the largest uh, databases in the world for health and sleep. Mm -hmm. And so when you measure number of human hours tracked monthly right now, what is that number? Uh, we don't disclose that yet. Um, I, I can potentially let you know. I can check with my team the exact number. Uh, but yeah, you're talking about uh, a lot of hours. Can, can you can you can give me a growth rate from back in 2017? How much it increased by? On average, imagine like a 2x year-over-year -year growth. Okay. Uh, so, and then you get an approximation. Fair enough. Um, when you talk about your team today, so how many people total on the team and then how many engineers? Yeah, so we are around 50 people. And usually, I mean, we always think 60% should be product and 40% the rest. So 60% is product, which is not only engineers, but that gives you a bulk. So, so call it 30 people on the product team. And, and how much of them do you have thinking about the actual foam, the actual mattress versus the app, the technology, the health data? Zero. <laughs> yeah. So for the foam, uh, because it's still important, right? The comfort for our customers. We just work with the greatest and largest company in the world for foam manufacturing. But again, foam, when you hear all these companies talking about foam and their latest release, it, 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 it's camp. And uh, you can just go anywhere and buy it on your own. So just work with the best. You pay what you have to pay. And you pay a premium for the greatest foam. Uh, the good thing is because we are so data-driven, we found a partner who has machines where we can measure every different type of foam, the different type of compression. So we have data on thousands of different types of mattresses that we have been testing. But it's not just us guessing what should be the right firmness. We have tested and we have had data. And then all our team is focused on the machine learning, AI, and, and hardware technology. Mm -hmm. what, so looking at the, the website today, $2,845 price point on the queen. It, that, is the, that is your uh, most, that's your cheapest option. Right? I hate saying cheapest is not cheap, but that's your cheapest option in terms of dollars, right? Yes or no, meaning we have two fun factors. One is the mattress, one is the cover. Right. So what you're saying is the mattress. So if you want the full 360 degree solution, yes, that is the entry entry level. Um, but then we sell the cover only. So you don't want to change your mattress. You just want to buy the technology and make your damn mattress smart. Um, at that point, we sell the accessory and I think it starts around 1500. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the queen at 2845, I mean, you talked to you about your margin profile being much better today. I mean, what can you produce that for? What's your cost to goods sold on that? Yeah, we, we don't disclose that. Um, obviously, we, we, we try to find the balance between what, what can help us build a solid business because at the end of the day, our customers, they want us here in 10 years. 
um, and also being fair with our customers. Mm -hmm. Cool. I won't push you harder there other than to say you just said sort of best in class margin would be above 60% to 60% margin on 2845 would mean cost of goods sold somewhere around 11 under $1,100. So you can you can take 1700 into your CAC podcast marketing engineering salary expenses, everything else down to the bottom line. Uh, is that a fair statement? Yeah, it's a fair statement. Obviously, you know, if you're a customer, you see what, what is the difference. The, the, the challenges are always the CAC, right? So you, yep. you need to account for that. Talk to me about that. DTC can be very competitive. I mean, a lot of these mattress, you know, these are pure play mattress brands, but they pour, I mean, hundreds of millions, right, into different channels. How are you finding channels that work economically for you? Yeah, I mean, just to give you an idea, in the past year, our CAC dropped 60%. So things are going in the right direction. Um, for us, there is a lot of word of mouth. So that is a big chunk of our revenue that uh, um, is helping us to grow in a healthy way. Um, and the reason is people are liking the product and so they refer it, they recommend it and other friends, they buy it. In particular, when a product is so expensive, meaning right for, for com compared to a 200 yeah, or a 50, yeah, benchmarking, um, people want to hear from other people about the product itself before pulling the trigger. And, and so that is where all our focus goes. So organic growth is much more important than paid growth for us. Mm -hmm. So you, you would argue so for a D2C brand launching today, you might tell them something like, listen, you're gonna have to spend millions and millions and millions on getting your first quarter of community members in your community and selling them that physical product. But you should see over time as word of mouth takes over, your CAC should decrease because your word of mouth marketing is essentially like an umbrella sort of bomb cover over the whole marketing budget altogether. Correct. And so we have set metrics for all of that. Talk to me about the experiment you're running right now in Miami uh, that, that Austin from Lambda just went through. This is fascinating to me. Yeah, so one of the things we wanted to do was to, I always hate when I, when I travel and go in hotels and there is the noise, there is the AC that, that you know, makes noise and the experience overall of non-sleep experience sucks. And so I always wanted to say, okay, can we reinvent that as well? And so we just took a space in an hotel here um, we redesigned the room inside to make it perfect for, for sleep. Uh, we launched this initiative on Twitter and uh, uh, the room got booked for the first three months, which is all that we allowed, like in 24 hours. And the first person to stay there was Austin, all right, the, the, the CEO and founder of Lambda School. He was there for a week and then he tweeted that he slept almost 2x more than what he's used to do. Um, and then we have plenty of people going. The interesting thing is there is a bunch of people going there just to test the product before mm -hmm. buying. So for us, it's, it's great also from a, from a sales perspective, but more than anything, we want to help these people improve their sleep. Mm -hmm. From a cost perspective, uh, why is this more efficient than you see like in these old strip malls? And maybe not even old ones, even sometimes some nice ones, uh, you know, Casper and Purple opening up physical locations to drop in and sort of lay on a mattress for, you know, a minute or two and then come up. You're, it sounds like people can actually like live there. They're living with the mattress for a week. Why is that a better model than a strip, a strip club, a strip uh, <laughs> mall model? Yeah, I mean, a couple of things. First is different. If you do what everyone else did, you get what everyone else gets. Uh, and so we are contrarian in this company and we want to do things differently. Second, I think um, you lying over a mattress for a couple of minutes will not tell you much, uh, in particular in a product like ours where temperature really changes during the night and delivers this huge benefit. So sleep on it for one night or a couple of nights um, and, and then you decide if you want to pull the trigger. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Is there a play moving forward? You know, I imagine it's very obvious to most people that get bad sleep 
that wake up the next morning and they're tired and they can't function. They can really feel it. It's clear they need a better mattress and they need a better technology. But there's, then there's a big chunk of people that are, op, you know, they get enough sleep where they don't feel bad the next day, but they're also not operating at 100% like optimized performance. How do you reach that cohort that's not feeling the pain, but you know you can improve their life? The best way is always, again, it's word of mouth. So our other friends, they, they tell you, look, since when I bought the thing, my data went up 20%, right? The best thing for us is when we have customers using Aura or Whoop, and then they tweet or they just say, my deep sleep increased 20%, and I see it reported by Whoop and Aura. So it's not even us telling you that we are doing a good job. It's someone else proving what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Is there a future where, where Whoop and 8 merge? Um. I don't think so, but I have respect for them. So hopefully they both become large companies and, and they can help each other. Mm -hmm. Do you think they ever move more into physical products besides just the band? I don't know. What I can tell you is our strategy, I, I can bet, is very different from any wearable strategy. So we're going in a different direction and you will see in, in the next years where we're going. Mm -hmm. well, um, when I'm not laying in the physical mattress, um, how can you check and how can you measure some other things? Uh, I mean, can you, you can't measure heart rate through my phone when I'm running during the day, can you? We can because your phone is connected to Apple Health. So you, ah. even whatever wearable you have. So our thesis is there are so many wearable that your daily data is a commodity right now, as long as you are synced with Apple Health, which you will if you have obviously iPhone or Android uh, is a different platform. And so we have all the data from, from the day. Uh, we have your HRV from the day. We have your fitness activity from the day. And then we develop correlations with what happens in the night. How critical is that technology correlation and, and you know, your API access to that health data from Apple? It's pretty important. Not yet super important. Call it 20% today, but it will be 80% tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I mean, do, do you do you worry about not owning that end of the telephone line like to the customer? I mean, if Apple, you know, there's a big war happening right now between Apple, Amazon, all these brands about the war for the home. Uh, if they end up coming out with a mattress, right, and, and then they cut you off your data stream, sort of then what? Do you worry about protecting against that or no? No, because we have our own data. At the end of the day, the best moment to really um, track your body and scan your body is at night because you're not moving, because you are at rest and because it's a long period of time. And so having that full ownership is what really matters to us. Mm -hmm. Then at the end of the day, the big difference between us and the wearable is wearable, their job ends with the data. They can only tell you what you might be able to do based on the data. In our case, based on the data, we take action and we adjust the temperature and in the future we'll adjust other factors. So we do the job for you. We don't tell you what you should do, we do it. Yep. Talk, let's end here on product. Uh, there's a lot of things you're doing. It touches oxygen, humidity, light, noise. It's not just, you know, do you not move or not move in your sleep? Uh, what's the future of the eight sleep product look like? And describe how it is today. If someone orders it, what are they going to get at their house? Yeah. So today there are two products. You can buy a mattress that gets shipped directly to your home and it will improve your, your sleep performance. Or you can buy a cover that can be installed onto your current mattress. It will make it smart and it will improve your sleep. So if you don't want to change the mattress by the cover, if you want the Lamborghini of sleep by the, the whole mattress. And there's um, a side box, right? I mean, there's a side box that sort of says, it looks sexy. It's not ugly, obviously, but sexy. It's, and there's water in there. And that's sort of how the cooling and heating technology works. Is that right? Yeah, it's, call it your, your sleep computer. So there is a, it's called Hub. It sits next to your nightstand. And it's really a computer that is there analyzing what happens in real time and, and improving your sleep. 
Mm-hmm. And so right now, this is what you're optimizing. But again, if I have you on in five years and I say, describe the product, what's the description sound like? It's very different. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so tired of the current shape of a bed that uh, I can't stand it anymore. It didn't change for the past 2000 years. So it's time to make our beds modern and able to really enhance our sleep performance and save our lives uh, by scanning our bodies. Matteo, how many folks are using the bed today? Several thousand. I, I don't disclose the numbers, but yeah, we have a large user base. You said several thousand? Yeah. What patterns are you seeing from those initial 6,048 backers from 2015? Have they sort of upgraded as you've upgraded mattresses and sort of thrown out the old ones? Yeah, I mean, a large chunk they upgraded. Upgrades is, is a pretty big deal for us. And all our products are structured where every year as we release new products, you can upgrade at a fraction of the price. So similar to what is the iPhone model, you trade in your old phone and you just pay a fraction of the price to get the latest. And, um, and yeah, it's part of our strategy. I'm excited for you guys. I mean, thousands is interesting. When can you break 100,000 mattresses you think out in their wild? Can you do that this year? Maybe. Do you feel good about that or does it feel like an uncomfortable stretch goal? I like how you made me questions to, to get your data. Have to. Um, yeah, no, I love it. You're, you're, you're pretty good at that. Um, we're on a trajectory to, to hit the number uh, soon. Well, guys, listen, the way I got connected to Mateo is, as you know, I'm living at Launch House out here in LA and there's 20 founders. It sounds great in person because we're all locked up during COVID, but now it's like, oh my gosh, there's four of us per room. How can we sleep better? How do we control temperature? Someone wants it at 84, someone wants it at 72, and there's this war going on. And the guys are going, we got to figure out how to like get mattresses that can solve this. I said, Mateo, let's chat via Twitter. He came on. Mateo, I appreciate you doing that. And guys, if you want to check out Eight Sleep, full disclosure, I have not used it yet. I've only heard amazing things. I look forward to using it. But if you want to check it out, go to nathanlacka.com forward slash eight sleep. Mateo, where else can they find you? Uh, on Twitter is uh, M, like Matteo underscore Franceschetti, my last name. I'm pretty active there. So ping me, ask me anything about sleep, and I'll share my tips. Matteo, thanks for taking us to the top.